Hi, I'm Abby, and here on B-Sides, I talk to people, sometimes myself, about their B-Sides. You know, like records? Gosh, I'm old. It's the artist's choice, the hidden gem, the surprise track, that worn-in, groovy side that flips your mood and lights you up. Okay, it's not that kind of podcast, but I just want to talk about what fuels you from the inside. Not that side you play and repeat every day. Your better side. Your B-side. And now let's see who's beside Abby today. I really have a passion to connect to people and understand people and really provide a safe space for people. Hey guys, welcome back. Today I'm talking to my child and adulthood friend and therapist, Annie Sire. Uh, just to clarify, she is my friend who is also a therapist. She is not my therapist because we decided we'd rather stay friends. <laughs> She's a licensed clinical social worker and one of my favorite people on the planet. And I cannot wait for you guys to see why. Oh, also, we had a teensy bit of technical troubles, some of which may have taken us hours to work through, some of which are left in for your listening pleasure. <laughs> but anyway, I'm able to listen to her talk or just be in her presence is simply time well spent, and I will take what I can get. So now, please enjoy my conversation with Annie. Hi! Hi! I can hear you. Hi. Can you hear me? I can. Am I on the AirPods though? Wait, hold on. Talk again. Hi. Hello. Hello. I can sing Norwegian wood for you. That was just what I was singing before you. you popped in. <laughs> <laughs> I love a song. No. Let's see. All right. How about now? I can hear you, but you sound sort of like you're underwater in a robot. Oh, no. Ground control to major Tom. What if I leave and come back? Sure. Let me kick you out. Is she going to find her way back in? Annie. We're off to a really good start. <laughs> Welcome to <laughs> This Is My World. Go down to preferences and then audio. Did I lose you on preferences? I'm going to see. Um. <laughs> <laughs> um. You know, my B side is the rage that people don't see when I have to do a technology, which in this pandemic has been all day, every day. <laughs> Behind the scenes of when a therapist loses her shit. <laughs> I'm going to ask Garrett. I know a little bit. He is better. Great. Babe. I'm in the basement. So I could be murdered and no one would hear me. So <laughs> my kids probably don't even know where I am. If the doors close, it's like a doesn't matter what's happening. It's this is the therapy bunker. I get it. You can knock. Just the knock and then enter doesn't count. You have to knock and wait. <laughs> That's right. Knock is and knock and enter is just annoying. <laughs> no. Hi. <laughs> the first time i've had to call dial in tech support this is awesome and i'm here i this is this is what i do <laughs> it literally he, is what he does would have been me um good to see you <laughs> he just wanted to see you that's all because she isn't in the app i didn't know how to direct her to check the her audio output and input without being in the app itself i don't we i honestly him. don't know how to join zoom via browser so I don't know what to tell you to do. Annie, you broke him. 
And if you download the Zoom app, which is super easy, it'll it's uh-huh. it's not complicated. Uh, you say that? No, no. <laughs> I, I listen. <laughs> I I work with a network of like sixty plus year old non technical people that have to use Zoom all day every day, and so I that's why I'm on the uh-huh. the tech support hotline. That's why I called him in. So Garrett, what I hear you saying is that I'm in like the 60 plus demographic with, uh, with my skill set. No, I'm saying uh, I can get them as- squared away. <laughs> so you will be no work at all. No. Oh, <laughs> Why did you, you made her go away. No, Annie. I think it's a good thing. She's good. Watch this. There she is. Okay. One, two, three, go. Okay. Hi. Here. Can you hear me? Okay. 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 Well, we should be good. Um, I'm going to leave you two to have a fun convo. All right. Good to see um, you, I'm leaving. Good to see you. Bye. Thanks, babe. Bye. Bye. All right. Well, hi. I, uh, hi. I think we're just going to have some echo stuff and we'll just have to work around it. I mean, it's not the biggest problem that this year and last year have posed. So thank you for joining me. Of course. Um, I have had... Well, yeah, I've had a stream of, I just had a lot of boys. And so I was very <laughs> excited to get some, some female energy and I'm happy that it's well, you. I'm glad to break the chain there. Uh- <laughs> totally. Totally. Um, okay. So I'm trying to figure out how to wrap everything up and, and, and begin here, which is not something that I'm used to doing. I usually just kind of dive right in and just like find my way somewhere and then latch on to that direction. But We've known each other since we were small people. Little, little. I know. Yeah. I mean, probably preschool for you and Prosser, right? We were in the same preschool class, Prosser and I. And I think Mm -hmm. technically the legend is that he was my first boyfriend. Whether or not he agrees with that, I don't know. (laughs) Which might have been your first date. We have, I remember a picture we have somewhere in the archives of the Carnegie home. Wow. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Long time long time. Yeah. And you're older. And so you were always just the cool older sister that (laughs) when I got to hang out with you was like a special treat. And then we rode together horses. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. When it was so cool. Cause I remember like re-meeting you, right? Like really re-meeting you, but, but we lived on the corner. Right. And I, did we just run into each other? I don't remember, but I feel like walking and was like, that's Abby way. That's I what think are you doing so. in my neighborhood? I know, <laughs> like, I, I know. I, yeah, I when I remember, like, no. and then you're the only other person that has the same, well, I'm sure many people have that tattoo, but the Imagine tattoo, I remember seeing that in those first days too, where it was like, whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> that, when we did reconnect and start a, a, a grown-up friendship, there were so mm-hmm. many really cool, freaky, fun things to find out about each other that were like, whoa. That, I I mean, again, like you said, I'm sure other people have imagined tattooed somewhere on their body, but the fact that we both discovered that we have it in the same spot was like, I'm sorry, what? Yeah. (laughs) And I I was pregnant with uh, my daughter before you were, and didn't I steal your name that you were going to name your daughter? Is that that right? I would have loved to have had that name somewhere. Josh vetoed it long ago, so it wasn't he wouldn't have let me do it. <laughs> oh my gosh. Cause even hearing that was like, I, I felt so like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I, mm-hmm. I had no idea. 
Yeah. <laughs> Nobody would have, you know, yeah, I think it's just, yeah, it was, we have so many similar likes in, yeah. in like, just yeah it was really cool really cool to see I yeah and I also I also recall immediately feeling very at ease in your presence and Mm -hmm. even before I knew what your chosen occupation was and then once I found that out was like well that makes a lot of sense because you just you (laughs) sit down with you and then it's just like oh it's it's gonna be fine we're gonna be fine everybody we're all good Annie's here she's speaking it's fine It's a very, like I said, a very calming energy and it's also very maternal and nurturing, but sometimes I think putting those labels onto someone could make you think that, well, maybe they're also boring, <laughs> but you're not, right. you're, right. you're like or so patronizing, fun. right? Like those two, those two pieces, right? Like, it, yeah, mm-hmm. I think that you can go in the, in the negative spaces sometimes with them. I don't, I don't take them negatively, but, but yeah. Yeah, And and I, and that's why I wanted to add that onto it because I just want to make sure, and I'm sure you know this because you're you, that you are also, you have this wonderful sense of humor and you're grounded and you're funny. So it's not, you're not looking at things from up here. You are looking at things from exactly where everybody else is. And that's, that has to make you super good at your job. Well, thank you. Thank you. I, I, I really like to not put somebody in any other place, but where they are, right? Like to, to yeah. really appreciate who that person is in that space. I would imagine that has to be something that is really good for being a therapist. I think otherwise, I don't know how you're able to actually look at someone and understand what they're going through to be able to help them in the best way. Are there perhaps a lot of other therapists that look at things from a higher perspective with a little bit more pretension? Do you find, is there a stigma to that, that you see? Yeah. I mean, I feel like I'm a clinical worker, right? So that's, that's my, my path towards being a private clinical therapist. And I feel like the roots of social work are just that within the ideas justice or within the ideas of really seeing a person it doesn't matter what your history is or what your future is going to be is like this is who you are so I do believe yeah. I believe that's just kind of the way I approach people in general so naturally mm-hmm. going to the sort of social work bent yeah. I think those two things put together and that's actually when I talk to people about like recommending a therapist you know there's so many different options right yeah of a psychologist or this or that or this And I think that, again, I'm biased, right? That's what I am, but as a clinical social worker, but I do go that route for that particular reason. Um, I think, again, to me, it's a harder skill to learn. Um, Like you have to, to me, I think it's it's like at your core, you're either good at this or not good at this in that, not just a therapist, but but that sort of being with people. Yeah. So I I, I do kind of pride myself on that. And I think- that's good many stories of lots of not good therapists who do, do yeah, not. I, <laughs> I think I've met some of them. Yeah. <laughs> I think I've talked to a few of them. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sometimes you walk in the room and you're like, no. Nah, yeah. Why well, hear gonna... horror stories? And I feel like I have to apologize for the whole profession. Like, oh. Sorry. Like, cause it sucks. It's such a vulnerable experience. And yeah. you know, when, when you ask me about being on this too, it's that sort of like, oh gosh, that vulnerability piece, right? Like we're not in therapy, but you're asking like yeah. to talk to me. Yeah. And that's, that's the flip side of a therapist, right? Is I'm, I'm the yeah. listener, um, I'm not the talker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, that was an interesting reaction um, that I, I did want to touch on with you. Like 
I, are you generally uncomfortable being in the other seat? Cause you don't seem like you're uncomfortable. If you are, you're really good at bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> I like to talk, right? I will talk with anybody or, or anything. Yeah. So I do, yeah. I love this type of interaction yeah. and I do like to talk deeply, right? Like, so I don't, I don't have any problem with that. I think, I think the roots of it, and maybe this is age, right? Of not growing up in the technology world. So mm. this idea blogs and podcasts is, is like, I don't know, do people want to hear what I have to say? Oh, I see. Even, even on social media, right? Like have a quote unquote business page, but I don't do anything. Cause each time I'm yeah. like, this is, I don't, I'm not going to say this. Anymore. Who wants to hear this? You know, that type of stuff. I just, I don't know. It's a weird format in that space. So I think it boils down to the exposure in that format. Maybe. I don't know. I haven't fully psychoanalyzed myself a little bit. Some of it has to be vulnerability too. Right. Of like sure. I'm other people's stuff in then exposing my own self. Yeah. Um, that initial reaction was like, does anybody want to hear I have to say? <laughs> Probably not. Um, were, but- <laughs> yeah, the reaction was like, you seemed excited, a little scared. But I think when I when I just said, look, I just want to have a conversation with you. I'm only asking people that I think would produce good content. So the pressure is off of you. The fact that I asked you means that whatever you're bringing to this is going to be beautiful. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. And that's, yeah. Yeah, I mean that 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 framework and that shift in perspective again after all the expletives that were in my head about uh, <laughs> oh, when the hell's gonna happen. Um, it was it was like hey, yeah, I can have a conversation. I do that all yeah. the time. You know, just uh, gonna record so, it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but I was I love the concept too. I just think it's a really cool concept of this idea of you know we portray to the world in different faces, right? Even sure. World, right? It's like my grocery store self. My, I was just at Kai's soccer game earlier. So my soccer self, my, so it's all like this sort of idea of those, Mm -hmm. those pieces that are not bad or it's just Mm -mm. that not everybody would see. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's exactly, exactly it. There is, um, oh, hold on a second. Okay. Hold on. Oh, where did it go? Are you still there? Test, test. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Just took a really big exhale. It's like the most ironic, yeah, right? Ironic, <laughs> high anxiety <laughs> things. Can't control this, Abby. Let's talk about all the stuff going on. Abby, you can't control this, so let it go. <laughs> I'm here to trigger everything for you, Abby. Oh, this is Lord. Yep. <laughs> I'm also going to check the moons or the moons doing something different today that I forgot to look at. Mercury should be okay. (laughs) Anyway, for continuity sake, I don't even remember what we were talking about before. Um, and I don't suppose you're talking about the concept of the, of the, of the, uh, sides and, and I'm really intrigued by that. Just the whole concept. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. It it is definitely a, a, something that I, for whatever reason, there's this societal pressure to put some version of yourself out there for everybody else. And I think we just kind of became accustomed to that and then never really asked why. And then I just, I think here's what happened. So the pandemic hit and then we were forced to see how broken our, our country and our society is. And we were staring racism right in the face and 
I became angry and also um, just unable to move. And I, so I just stopped anything else other than family in front of me and nothing else mattered. And I get that that's a privilege that I had, that I was able to just turn everything else off. I, I understand that. But, and within that was social media was something that I found maddening because I, for me, I felt like I was just absorbing the negativity, but I was also trying to teach and yell at people who were not doing the right thing or trying to educate, but it was also making me feel negative. And so I took a break. And then I think I got really judgy about the people that didn't take a break. And I thought that I, that didn't feel right with me. I felt like I just felt really very aware of my privilege. And I just wanted to sit back and just let other voices be heard. And I didn't feel like I, my voice was valid. Mm -hmm. And when I would look at social media, I would see people were just back to normal. And I found it infuriating and frustrating and sad. And that caused me to think, why do, why is there this pressure that someone, something is putting on us to perform as normal on Instagram or I'm not on Facebook personally, but there is that there, there is definitely the, well, okay, we took a, took a pause. We're good now. Now I'm going to, and all the fashion bloggers came back and the, and the food bloggers came back and I just couldn't do it. And then I think that's probably what led me to this because I felt like when it seemed like it was okay for me to speak again, I wanted to make sure I was doing it going deep and not here's a biscuit recipe. Yeah. Or, yeah. 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 No, totally. Totally. I think I, I, I hear all of that and I, I identify with a lot of that. And I think too, in that concept of, of alternative sides, right. Of, of put yourself in a really tough situation, watching the world fall apart. And you mentioned privilege, right? Like we are white women. Yeah. We are very privileged sure. in, in the space we live in the town that we, all of that. Yeah. Um, that aside, though, I think that, again, forced into, I, you mentioned, like, anger. I, I don't know that I have known rage like I've known it in this past year, right? Which, again, I feel a bit embarrassed and frustrated by that anyway, because, again, I should have had more rage prior to this, right? Like, I should have been angrier about it by or Z. Anger is never an emotion that's one that I access easily. You know, if I'm going to, I'm going to get big, I'm going to get anxious or sad. Like those are going to be my okay. two spaces crying, whether I'm anxious or sad or I'm happy. Like I cry. Regardless. Like yeah, those I, I go to tears quickly too. <laughs> too happy, cry, too yeah. sad, cry. Like it's all there. Totally. Um, so, but again, so uncomfortable with how angry I was at other people who were irresponsible and what I viewed as responsible, who were, again, not coming to terms with their own participation in white supremacy or racism or any of those pieces. And it it's so uncomfortable in that yeah. space. And it's, uh, I wouldn't say that that's gone away. I think I'm now just more used to feeling it. But in those early stages, it was like, wow, this it, almost like an out of body experience. Like my skin just didn't feel good. It was just like, yeah. oh, I don't yeah. like to feel. Good. And again, I think uh, 
similar to some of my coping skills when when the last president was elected in in social media terms is I just stopped following everybody and then like <laughs> followed goats and sweaters and chickens with hats and like you know <laughs> found the safe things yeah because in in some way and again I can get on many soapboxes about how ridiculous social media is and I no I go it for it I'm I'm with you all that sort of yeah. stuff but I do use it as almost like a palate cleanser between clients where I would just go on and it would be like, I wasn't really taking anything in, but it was just that mindless scroll. Yeah. Right. Sure. And when yeah. that president yeah. became president and prior to like that election, it was ruining every part of that process for me. And I was like, I don't know if I can curse on this, but I was very angry. I was like, fuck all this. <laughs> and I was very angry. And so then again, it was all animals, like cute kittens in baskets, uh, again, goats and sweaters. And uh, so it was similar. Podcast is sponsored by goats and sweaters. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> There's some really cute groups out there of people that post goats and sweaters. Um, but I was, wait to like, check it out. This for me, like I am still going to yeah. do this. I had to unfollow everything. And, and in mm-hmm. the pandemic, I would say... I've unfollowed 90% of the people. And again, in, in, in groups that I felt pretty connected to, too, like in the, soul, the whole like crunchy mom space, which I identify with in a lot of ways, yeah. I had to kick that to the curb, but there was so much irresponsibility and, and, and I, just, I, I lost it in a lot of ways. And it, it, again, there was a grief loss, I think in that sure. space. Of, I don't think it for my own identity, I, it, it probably morphed a little bit, Again, I still, you know, I'm wearing a rainbow caftan and like I've got 200 plants and, you know, I love, you know, essential oils, not for healing, but I like the smells, you know, all of that stuff. So like I I identify with all that for my own identity, but I don't, I can't, I can't participate in those groups and and on social media in the same way. And I was like, I was really angry about that because it was, it was like a, um, a betrayal, I guess, where it's like, guys, like people are dying and like, really, we're going to argue about this or you got to wear a mask and like, you know, a black man was, you know, need to death. Like, yeah, I know so much, so much. And all the while we're stuck inside and our kids are like, again, big props to homeschool people. Oh, wow. I know. It's hard, right? Like it's, I, I love, Children, but and they're still all remote. We mine are too. There's not a the few of us left. Yeah, yeah. And but for me, it was like two months left. Like, why am I going to now go through creating routine? Like, no. And and <laughs> to, to yes, and to speak on privilege, we were privileged enough to be able to do it, and it wasn't a problem. And even me yeah. saying that, it makes me feel a little icky because I recognize the privilege in that statement. And so there's a little bit of guilt attached, but we were able to, to continue life at home with our kids at home. And it didn't, it wasn't a big problem. Yeah. And because we could, we did, it was safer. And in the beginning, it was hard for me to watch other people who I, who I thought could as well. And then they weren't. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, kind of piggybacking onto your unfollowing thing. I found myself just judging a lot. And I don't enjoy that space, but I felt there was nothing. I mean, I should have followed goats and sweaters because I, (laughs) I was, there was too much to judge and I don't, I doesn't sit well with me feeling like I'm better than someone 
mm-hmm. don't enjoy that feeling at all. And Absolutely. so I just turned it off. So I just really, I went on a social media cleanse and prior mm-hmm. to that, you know, I worked in social media. I, I, I was that gross term that that's an influencer and then having to get back into it because nowadays, especially because this is a media format, a podcast, and I got to advertise for it. And if I don't advertise for it on social media, no one's going to know about it. So it has been a tricky thing where I have had to, like I learned boundaries on my, in my personal life last year, but I've had to figure out how to employ them with even something like Instagram, just kind of knowing like, all right, I'm going to use you and you're not going to use me. Right. It's a blessing and a curse, right? Like we can't Mm -hmm. stop all that's happening. We live in this culture of media and social media. And so I do, I mean, I think for me, it boils down to using it for good, not evil. Right. And, and define those terms, however you will. Right. It's, Mm -hmm. I think, but I think it says a lot to take your job, right. And decide this is something I can't do right now. It doesn't feel right to do now. Right. I think that that makes, makes a statement. And, um, you know, I think that, yeah, it's, we all were faced with such a tough situation. Right. And I think, Mm -hmm. you know, I I agree with you completely. I think there was no judgment at all for those people that were not privileged to be able to make life work in, Mm -hmm. in the way to go to work and all of that. But the people that could make the choice, I really feel should. And that's where I struggled too with, with a yeah. lot. Um, and it doesn't feel good. And again, <laughs> and then it led to rage on multiple levels of like rageful that I'm even judging you because it, this sucks and I don't want to be in this spot. But don't also, make me judge you. Yeah. Like stop doing stupid shit. Like, come on. Exactly. I won't have to act this way. <laughs> like, this is preventable. <laughs> I know. I know. That's that's definitely it. And I, I don't know about for you, but for me, what it definitely showed me and my whole family is, you know what? I'm so thankful that we all like each other. Like we really, we really like each other. And we had moments of pure joy. And Absolutely. again, that is a heavy statement that I just made, but Absolutely. and <clears throat> it does make one wonder you know, everyone has their own reasons for doing things. And once I was able to, to put that together in my head and recognize maybe not everybody else enjoys the people they live with and right. they have to do what they have to do to either convince themselves otherwise right, or ignore that. Right. Or, and I think too, it, it goes to tolerance too, right? Is, yeah. is how much you tolerate this really tough situation and, and the balance between mental and emotional health and, and that sort of space that we're in. And I think something I used a lot for myself and I use it in, in therapy too, through this process, because this has been the first time we've all been through shit in life. Right. Like, and, and I think therapists, it's our duty to go through and heal a lot of that before we get into the, the healing profession. And so this is the first time that I've been going through the same thing that my clients are going through, which is wild it is just out it's it's just not heard of because that's not again not that I haven't been through stuff or been able to identify with things that clients have been through mm-hmm. but actually going through it at the same time and so I, I think about it in sort of a zoom out zoom in right As if we zoom out to see the whole picture it's overwhelming that sort of yeah. macro of things 
So to zoom in, like you're talking about is like, let me just look at my family for a minute. Like, let me just look at this five minutes for a minute, yes. right? Because the whole day is too much. And that's what we just survived. And so I think that sort of zoom out, zoom in is, is, is important to sort of keep in mind in, in the process and, you know, to all clients about it. But again, put it just in my own life because I'm in it. Like, again, I can't, my kids are home. Like I am providing therapy over a computer, you know, it's, I, I do love my family, but I'd love to not see them for a couple minutes. Like, you know, <laughs> it'd be nice sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Let me pee alone. Damn it. Yeah. Like, you know, before I would, you know, be at work and then I'd come home and yeah. You know, and it's a blessing and a curse, right? Like all Absolutely. of it. When you were mentioning during the pandemic and you were simultaneously going through something, you were helping your clients through, did you find that that was therapeutic for you as well? Did you find yourself healing yourself during while you were healing others? I guess guess it's perspective, right? So I think having that constant input of somebody's experience, like you talk to your friends and you know how they're doing, but on a different level, right? That people talk to their therapists. So I think it it, it provided a lot of perspective. Uh, While it was super overwhelming because my reserves aren't what they typically are, right? Because I'm tired or stressed or full of rage or, you know, whatever the feeling is day, you know, anytime after a day of talking to nine, 10 clients, like I don't talk a ton because I've been talking for a long time, but it's not the same emotional drain, right? Because if I'm operating at 50% because I'm going through all of it, then I, I, I'm kind of in the negatives as opposed to if I'm at a hundred percent, I never reach the negatives or even really low. So I think that's the hardest part. And to you too, I think that there have been some moments of, of a therapeutic element as well. And something that's, that's happened in the therapy world through this is, you know, oftentimes there is this, this sort of like a client has never asked me, how am I doing? But in this pandemic, there's a whole lot more of clients being concerned with how their therapists are, right? Like it's so, so we're the of their mental health. So to think about like, are you okay? Cause you have to be okay. You're helping me be okay. So <laughs> yes. It is this sort of weird experience of, wow. of the, the being turned a little bit more when putting you- into practice, you know, a little bit of fake it till you make it. Like I talk about with clients sometimes too, is like, yeah, I'm great. Like it's, I'm great. This, everything mm-hmm. is great. You know what I mean? You just sort of go through that motion and that put that positivity in the space. <laughs> So you can exist in that. Um, yeah. It's just weird. I mean, again, I don't I never, if you had asked me two years ago, are you going to be like doing fractions on your dining room table? No. If, if you would have asked me, was, am I going to sanitize a pineapple? I would say, <laughs> what is wrong with you? <laughs> just the, the things that just became normal during, uh, cause you know, in the beginning we didn't know what it was yeah. and I was just like, well, it's everywhere. And, and, you know, having my dad being kind of immune compromised. So this whole thing of like, which I have existed in a lot of ways to protect my dad and keep him alive. Um, But, but having this experience, like it was like a constant threat, but it was definitely hard. And it was like, to think like, what if they died during this year? And like, it would be a complete of, they're like, we can walk to your house, but we can't be there with you, you know? And I was like, I'm not going to risk it. If I gave this to you and you died, how? No, 
no, I wouldn't, I'd freak out about a stranger, but especially like somebody I love. Like that's- Yeah. And it's also, I don't know if you felt this way, but it's also like, look, I, I know that I love you. You know that I love you right now. We just can't, we can't snuggle, you know, yeah. and, and, yeah. and I'm confident enough in the relationships that I have to know that it's going to be okay. And some of my relationships didn't last. Some big ones mm-hmm. have not lasted mm-hmm. for various reasons. But for me, I know the ones that are still here and thriving, it's because there was just a, the synergy and this mutual respect of we, we, we know that we're okay and that we love each other and we're doing the right thing. And once things are, are, are safer and better, then, you know, game on. It's just a pause. Right. Right. Something big is happening. It's not a, if your relationship has to be, we must see each other all the time, then it it is missing something, right? Like maybe investigate that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I would, I have gotten deeper with some friends that it was almost like not a brand new relationship, but a newer relationship where we have just really gone deep without having seen each other. Right. Is, Mm -hmm. is or connecting in that way yeah and through a mutual I guess in the same the alternative of the sort of rage and judgment right is this sort of deep connection you get with somebody that chooses to go through a crisis in a similar way right and to me those values you know looking out for others safety like the sort of love care and compassion you give to world or strangers or whatever because it's not about me and my comfort right now. It's like, yeah. I don't want to get a little old lady at the grocery store. Right. Like, no. I, I mean, it's, it's it not sacrifice. There was a lot of sacrifice <laughs> that <laughs> Absolutely. I, yeah, Absolutely. I yeah. definitely think a side effect from last year was not that in some relationships, like I said, did end, but, um, you kind of learned a lot about people and their limits and what they were willing to sacrifice. And then you kind of know, look, I'm, maybe I'm not going to I'm not going to end this relationship, but I definitely got your number and I kind of know, I know now, and that's fine that you're maybe not the kind of person that when shit hits the fan, this is how we're going to behave. And that's okay. Not everybody can be that person. And it was recognizing, you know, I've, I've learned to give a lot of grace to people that I don't understand. And I don't understand how you could not be being more careful. And, and maybe I think that you're being reckless, or maybe I think that you're being um, disrespectful to the greater good, but everybody has their reasons for doing things. And I can't let that affect me. So I had to just kind of turn a switch and go, it doesn't, it doesn't affect me. I wish them well, I send them grace. And then I'm going to carry on and focus on what I can control. Absolutely. And I think it goes to those circles, social circles, right? Like you have the core in the middle of of where you put all the emotional energy, family, whatever. And then, you know, maybe best friends, friends, maybe you have multiple spheres of friends, acquaintances, strangers, right? And that that's the sort of where, you know, the emotional exchange happens. And I think Mm -hmm. that you said people moved to different spaces within that when you know that. And And that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, it begins in that sort of rage place, but I think being in it this long, you do just, it's like, okay, I see who you are and that's, you know, we all have a different tolerance level of ability to do X, Y, Z, but now I know kind of where you stand, where I stand and how we stand together in that sort of space. And yeah, I've always considered myself an empath looking at people and um, putting myself in their shoes, but I think 
a lot of that really hit me on a deeper level and a more personal level when I realized that what I was feeling towards certain people in my life, they could be having that exact same, those feelings towards me for their own reasons. And I could be that person for them. And that is when it really clicked for me. Like, let me figure out a best, best way to phrase this. Oh, I lost you. Oh, where'd you go? Take three. <laughs> I'm, I'm, this time I'm laughing. The first time was like, no. And that, you know what? Just go with it. This, this is a therapy session right here. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's life, life in the pandemic, right? It's like roll with it. You know? I know. Yeah. Do one, I want to ask you when you happen to be talking to someone and then you say, do you, do you call, I mean, do you say therapist? Do you say social? What, what exactly is your label? Therapist. Yeah. Okay. Clinical social worker, but I call myself a therapist. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Do, do people, do you, can you see that people kind of clam up in that moment because maybe they feel like everything they say is going to be, I'd say I'm sure sometimes I would say, and this is, I, again, I think what has my mom always jokes, this is what kind of led me to this profession is people just talk to me about stuff, strangers. Like I, in graduate school in bars, people have confided the wildest things to me. I was like, well, okay, I guess there's something about me that that they think I want to listen to this, whether I actually do sometimes or not. Um, (laughs) You're a good listener, I guess is how I can say that. Um, But I do think that sometimes, uh, people can worry that I'm psychoanalyzing them. That's kind of what I do. Yeah. I, and I, I, I mean, sure. Like I can't really turn it off. Right. Like Mm -hmm. I'm sure that that exists, but I don't try to lead with that. I I hope that I give off the vibe of just being more of a good listener as opposed to being, yeah, as opposed to being like a, a psychoanalytical kind of experience. I more like, Oh, you're a therapist. Let me tell you about this. Um, oh, free you know, therapy. So People are wanting some, some free yeah. therapy. <laughs> I see. Well, I, that's, that's hilarious. I mean, like anything and everything, it would depend on that person. And if to me, any person who would hear you're a therapist and would go to any sort of panic mode, well, what are you panic? What, what's wrong with you? <laughs> Right, what are you right. afraid or that I'm going to yeah, find you out? Had like a, a bad therapist or, or something well, like that. What's like in your closet? Experience. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah. My guess is if it has happened, I, I quickly pivot in a way that either I use humor a lot to sort of diffuse Same. situations or um, sort of shift it to make them yeah. comfortable, which is maybe a therapist piece in me too, of just let me, yeah. let me figure out how to make this a comfortable space for you you said that your, your mom always knew that you'd end up doing this because people would just spill their insides in front of you. What, what led you to, to doing this as a profession? And also, was it always what you wanted to do? Was it always what I wanted to do? No, I was going to be an attorney. Like that was my path since I was little. And you wanted to be not just because there was no family pressure. It was no, no. My dad was actually like, don't be, he was like, you, you don't want to be an attorney. Don't be an attorney. Um, and I, but I was ready. I was going to move to New York city, um, and be a paralegal up there and, and move in that path. And then nine 11 happened and my dad freaked out. He was like, you can only go if you have a gas mask. And I was like, okay, I'm going to wheel this back just a little bit. Wow. And I happened to end up, uh, 
a friend of mine was working at a camp for kids and adults on the autism spectrum. And she's like, we need some help. Never went to camp at a kid except YMCA camp once a kid pinched me. And I was like, I'm never going again. Um, and <laughs> but I was like, sure, I'll do it. And that was the pivot. When I started working there, it just, I was really good at it. Um, there was something about the compassion for the next several years. I just got jobs so I could be free during the summer and be able to work at this camp. Ended up being the assistant director my last year and then decided to go to graduate school. And I was like, well, my mom always said I was a good listener. Why don't I just look into therapy? Um, and when I look back at my, my desire to be an attorney, I wanted to be a public defender, which is kind okay. of like the social workers of, yeah. of attorneys, right? Yeah. Um, so it, it kind of, the pathway was kind of always there. I just didn't know exactly what it would look like. I do believe it's a huge part of who I am. Not the therapy piece necessarily, but that piece of, I really have a passion to connect to people and understand people um, and really provide a safe space for people, right? Be that friendships or strangers. I think that for me, I thrive on people knowing that I'm a safe person. You are doing what it is that fulfills you that you are passionate about, you are doing that as your career. That's a, I, not everybody can say that. And mm -hmm. it, it's rare, but it's also got to be really, really well fulfilling. We're like, I mean, I just said that absolutely. word. But. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think my, my method of being, I can't do it any other way. I'm not one of those people yeah. that can work a job that I hate. I would just yeah. hate it and quit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I understand that completely. Mm -hmm. And I, I totally do. That's a great thing to be able to do what it is that you do and love it. And what's been interesting for me is, you know, each person that I've spoken to, and like I told you in the beginning, I'm only reaching out to people that I think would provide good things to say and, um, and important things to say, meaningful conversations to be had, but every single, so every person that I've asked I'm discovering that they're all doing what it is that they are passionate about, mm. or even if it's, if it's maybe not exactly their career is the thing that they would say is their passion. They're still f equally fulfilled with anything else. I've yet to come across mm -hmm. someone who's like, well, I do this. That would be my A side because I do this for my job. But what I really wish I could do is this. Mm -hmm. I have not come across that that person. I'm wondering if it's that I'm just only drawn to the people, you know, cause I'm the producer of this. I'm, you're going to be yeah. on here because I want you to be on here, That I'm only yeah. drawn to the people who have that passion. I think I'm very attracted to passion. Yeah. Must well, be. authenticity too. Right. And not that people that, that do have the differences can't be authentic, but when you do live it on both sides, there does yeah. bring some clarity and authenticity to it in, in some ways as yeah, well. That's a good point. Um, I think you hit the nail on the head. Authenticity. I think that is something that I definitely am gravitating towards. And I, I've said it in different ways, not as concisely as, as you just said it, but for me, I, I know I'm able to recognize, I don't know how to not be whatever this is that I am. I can't define mm -hmm. it for you, but I, I am this way and I love being this way. If the label is needed, then I'm not your girl and that's mm -hmm. okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think I, I boil it down too, to that core self, right. Of mm -hmm. 
what are those qualities that are at our core? And we have so many things, the layers that cover up that core, be it Mm -hmm. trauma or life or, you know, this or that or this, that sort of are these layers that hide some of those pieces. So I think, again, getting to this place in life where we can either through therapy or just learn how to shed some of those pieces that dull that core self, I think is when we can truly sort of exist in that space of whatever we define that core as. Um, And I think that, again, in this sort of concept of of B-sides is probably we'll find more of our core in that shadowy space as opposed to the face we put on for the lady at the grocery store or, mm-hmm. you know, at, at a cocktail party or, you know, those types of things where we put on that sort of, this is my public self yeah. versus that private self of, of the core. We're born these pure things, right? Like all of yeah. the, all of the stuff that gets on top is what we learn or what we're taught. And so, Absorbed. you know, the core really is pure positive uh, and we yeah. all have it. Um, it's just who's in touch with it happens at different times in our lives. And some people don't get that experience to even know it. Um, That's true. Yeah. Uh, Something that I want to get your opinion on. I was speaking to someone who had her own version of trauma in her life. And I have had, I've had childhood trauma and we can, let me talk about it if you want to, but that's not <laughs> free therapy. Um, <laughs> really why I brought you here. Annie. No, um, the, <laughs> the reason why it came up on that discussion with this one person is because we were kind of co-discovering that each of us found ourselves to be a safe space for others to come to. And we were able to d- deduce because we have been through really traumatic things in our life, we can, we, that's why we are that way. Do you agree with that? that- Absolutely. I think, again, I'm sure that there are therapists that might be categorized as good or feel that they're good. And I don't want to take that away from them. Sure. But I do believe that in order to really be good at this work, you have to have been through your own stuff, right? Okay. And I okay. think that, again, it's, it's defining trauma, right? I think that to me, trauma is trauma for whoever is experiencing that. So absolutely, like I think that, that in life, I've been through many things. And I think being a female in this life is, is traumatic in a lot of ways, just in and of itself, learning how to love and respect your body, your, the internal and external, um, learning how to truly have self-love, right? And that yeah. sort of space of, of body positivity didn't exist back in the day. Like we're, we're sort body of acceptance. moving it. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that that was my journey, right? Of figuring out how, I think I always had self-confidence and like, I know I'm smarter. I know I'm this, I know I'm that, but I don't know that I knew how to love myself until I was an adult. And I think that because I didn't know how to love myself, I went through journeys of, you know, eating disorder and, and figuring out how to love the skin that exists to house the, the heart and soul that I always knew was there, but I didn't know what to do with it. Right. And so I think that that that's probably the biggest piece, which drove my journey towards therapy. Once I knew that that was what I was going to do. And I specialized in eating disorders and still do like, it's one of my passion um, oh, wow. pro- okay. p- populations to work with. 
Um, and I think that it does provide me a greater understanding, right? So I, I know yeah. what you're going through. Um, but again, this is for, for a therapist, right? Like we have to have been through it and healed that in a way, right? Yes. And so I think a lot of therapists don't, they start before they've done the true healing and that's okay. where damage happens. Okay. Um, and so, you know, not to say that I'm now perfect and I've got no problems, but as far as that space, there's healing. Yeah. yeah. And I think that as, as a female, we experience trauma all the time, right. From yeah. sexual harassment to actual harassment to, to physical trauma. It's hard to be a woman in this world. Yeah. And I think that I have hope that with the exposure of the racism, with the exposure of this sort of misogyny, that existed from the, the previous president that maybe we're going to do some work. So our girls and boys don't have to exist in the same space yeah. uh, in the same way. But that's one of my biggest pieces um, is, is if I can gift my children with anything, it's a, it's absolute self-love, no matter what the shell looks like, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're thinking or feeling that, that this is the only shell we get in this lifetime so you can either love it or hate it and hating it is a hard road so figuring out a path to self-love and I think being able to teach that right you weren't taught that we didn't talk mm -hmm. about that back in the day and so I think that yeah. that's a, a, a gift that that our kids will have that we didn't get growing up yeah yeah I I agree with that completely um so much of that I, I agree with. It makes mm -hmm. sense to me that you have to go through some shit to be able to deal with some shit. And then I've come out on the other end. That's the key is that you've come yeah. out on the other end. And I don't think it's a prerequisite, but I do think it, it can make you understand and, and be have empathy in a way that you couldn't if you didn't know it. I had such confidence in, in deducing that in a previous conversation with no license to do so, but just fully confident, <laughs> like, yeah, we're right. I, cause I'm the boss of this podcast and I, whatever I say. And then I found myself speaking to an actual therapist on camera going, let me just fact check that. <laughs> and now I'm like, oh, good. I wasn't an asshole. <laughs> and I'm sure, I'm sure somebody's done research about it, but it, you know, I, I have never met a therapist that hasn't gone through their own stuff. Yeah. The, the, the knowing when you've been healed. And again, I, I, I don't, I don't believe that there is an actual closed book ever on what you've been through, because I think the healing is an ongoing, perhaps Absolutely. lifelong journey. That is, Absolutely. that is it. Healing is also learning, but Absolutely. Um, I would hope that what it is that you do, the joy it might bring to you to witness someone feeling that and connecting those dots and shedding that layer of, of weight that they had been carrying for so long that has, I mean, does that make you just feel wonderful or can you take absolutely. that joy into that? Yeah, absolutely. That's absolutely. Great. I think it's such an honor, right? Like I always say that to folks that I feel honored to be That's part great. of this journey, no matter what that journey is. Yeah. Uh, it really is beautiful. I also really love working with transgender population. Um, and that's another one that, that again, when it, when I think about like being honored to be on that journey to watch and walk with people through that is, is a pretty beautiful oh, um, so and painful all at the same time um, yeah. space to sort of be in. Um, and back to something, what you were saying prior to go to some of our 
common interest, right? Like this quote from the Beatles song that always resonates with me and resonated through before even knowing I was going to go to grad school, but then in grad school and I was going to have it tattooed somewhere in my body, but I haven't yet, but take these broken wings and learn to fly. Yeah. So that to me is just one of those pieces, right? Is we all, Mm. we're all broken in some way. And it's, it's about putting those broken pieces together and being able to sort of move through it to the other side and not judging the brokenness, but just embracing it and, and healing through it to get to that flight place. Hmm. That's beautiful. I love that so much. I won't steal it. <laughs> we'll just have all the same tattoos. It's good. I like it. <laughs> oh, that's, that's so beautiful. Um, do want to end with something that, although I should have just ended it there. Cause that was whatever I'm going to say is going to be crap. <laughs> I reached out to you because I was curious as to if it would be beneficial to have a friend be my therapist. And I don't know the rules like mm-hmm. you do. And mm-hmm. I so respected your response. It was the perfect response. And basically it was no, <laughs> I don't want to, <laughs> that's my boundary. And I, and I, I got it. You said it better than that, but I had so much respect for you that just in that, when that moment and that response, it was, no, this is my boundary and it's not how I work. And, you know, I'm still Mm -hmm. here for you and we can still Mm -hmm. discuss certain things and, you know, I might drop some wisdom bombs, but no, let's, let's keep it. Let's keep it on a friendship level. Right. That was really great. When I think it, it would also be a disservice to you, right? Like I couldn't be as good a therapist as you deserve to have because I'm yeah. your friend, right? And I think yeah. that that's, that's the thing with therapists and friends is I'm always a therapist when I'm with my friends, like, mm-hmm. it, but it is different. So I care about you. And so I can't fully be, though I do, I do believe I'm pretty good at being able to be unbiased in a situation if somebody wants my honest opinion. Yeah. But that being said, you still are my friend. So yeah. I might, hesitate to tell you something or say it in a different way where, you know, you deserve somebody that might break it down a little bit more, more hardcore. Um, And sometimes you might need a therapist and sometimes you might just need a friend. Yeah. Well, I just really respected you in the way that you handled that. It was, it was great. It was the right response and, Mm -hmm. and you handled it very, very well. And I do find you one of those people who, because I felt such a deep connection to you that that doesn't go away. So years can go by and I feel very cozy with you. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I just want to thank you for that role that you have played in my life, even when you didn't know that you were playing that, you are a very beautiful and calm energy that I'm, I'm so very thankful for. And I can just imagine how wonderful you are at your job with strangers. And I can just see it. You're so lovely. And I'm so thrilled that you agreed to do this. I I appreciate that. That's very kind. I consider you one of those, I I think like pajama people, like I could just come over in my pajamas. You can come over in your pajamas. Mm -hmm. No judgment. I don't need to clean the house. We can just sit and have a glass of wine and it would be, it would be great. Absolutely. I I think I saw when you were moving your arm real quick before we end, do you have a Zen circle tattoo too? So that was, so I have one on my back. Um, (laughs) 
that was actually, I got that in graduate school and that was the symbol for our wedding. Josh has one too. Um, that Zen it was circle. Tiny Garrett's symbol for our wedding. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. I've got it right in between my shoulder blades and Josh has it, I think on his arm. Yeah. Garrett That's has funny. it on his inner arm and I have mine here. And it is, this is our tattoo for each other. Oh my gosh. Well, then what's going to have to happen is at some point in time, post-pandemic, we both have to go get, take these broken wings and learn to fly. I mean, if you're inviting me, I'm not going to say no, but I'm not going to take it from you. I'm very, I'm still reeling from the fact that I stole your kid's name. (laughs) Yeah. So we we, we need to uh, at least make it happen where we get the same tattoo purposely. Uh, yeah, I know. Uh, well, I love you to the moon. Thank you again so I love much. you too. Thank you so much. Okay, bye. Bye. In honor of Annie and our shared love for the Beatles, I called in a favor from another fellow Beatles fan and another one of my favorite people, my uncle, Jody Page, to lead us out. And on a more somber note, I would like to dedicate this ending to the Charlotte women we lost this month to hatred. Paul wrote the song Blackbird for the Little Rock Nine, a group of nine black students who faced discrimination and protests against their enrollment into the all-white Little Rock High School in 1957. It is now the year 2021, and two transgender black women were shot in a hotel room 11 days apart from one another right down the road from where I am right now. This is for you, Jada Peterson and Remy Fennell, and all your other brothers and sisters before you who were taken. 